0: what's up hello and welcome to this week's episode of geek garage goes to the movies i'm ted Unfortunately, going to be flying solo on this episode. Uh, as you may recall, David mentioned on our previous episode on Godzilla, King of the Monsters, he and his family are currently in the process of moving. That's obviously a very time-consuming and stressful experience, and makes it pretty difficult to try and schedule something as frivolous as a, you know, recording a movie podcast when you're trying to do all that. So, to keep everyone on the home front happy, he's decided to bow out from our next couple of episodes, at least our next couple of episodes. Uh, definitely can't wait to have him back. But uh, I understand, of course, why he's doing that. And so rather than to disappoint all three of our very loyal listeners, I've decided to keep cranking out some content on my own. Um, Or, alternatively, if our episodes so far have been disappointing everyone, uh, here's another one to keep that streak alive. So this episode will be a little different, a little change of pace from what we've done so far. Again, both in terms of me being on my own, but also because the kind of movies uh, we've covered so far are going to differ from what I'm going over today. Uh, Generally, we've done pretty big, bombastic action movies, like we did the John Wick trilogy, and then of course we did Godzilla. These movies will be, for the most part, a little less action-oriented overall, although one of them definitely has some action in it. Uh, But they're definitely still genre movies. So, uh, despite all the hardships and being solo this week, I'm definitely still incredibly excited. Uh, The movies I'm covering are a couple that I absolutely love. The first being Mandy, and the second being Under the Skin. Uh, I know David and I have talked about Mandy on the podcast before. I can't remember if it was on an episode specifically of Ghosts of the Movies, or maybe it was on one of the other episodes of just the Geek Garage uh, that I was a guest on. I, I can't remember for sure. I know that... He has watched it. I basically made him watch it. And he was not nearly as into it as I am. So I figured this would be a good time for me to just kind of slide it in and and rave about it. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that he's seen Under the Skin. I do not believe he has. Uh, You know, believe it or not, his and my tastes do diverge, sometimes rather drastically. So while I definitely enjoyed uh, Under the Skin, I don't know that it would necessarily be his kind of movie. So um, I'll have to circle up with him and then maybe on the next podcast we can have a little back and forth about it. Uh, So, yeah, you never know. Finally, at the end, I will offer up some shit that, at least to me, doesn't suck. And since David's out, I'll probably throw out two or three different things for you to check out. Uh, So, yeah, let's get to it. 2018's mandy directed by panos kosmatos and starring Nicolas cage as red and andrew riceborough as the titular mandy i've talked about this on the podcast before um and i have to say that if this was not my outright favorite film of 2018 uh, it was definitely on the short list uh, overall, the movie is a bit of a love letter to the grindhouse style of cinema or B-movies, uh, but it skews a little arthouse as well um, in, in some of the aesthetics, which we'll, we'll cover momentarily. If you're unfamiliar with this movie, it wasn't a wide release, so a lot of people maybe haven't heard of it, but if you're unfamiliar, uh, here's a bit of a story synopsis. Red and Mandy are in love and living their uh, enchanted life together in a secluded forest of the Pacific Northwest. However, their dreams are brutally shattered after Mandy's chance encounter with Jeremiah and his nightmarish hippie cult. The results of that chance meeting send Red into a spiraling, surreal rampage of vengeance. Like I said, I love this movie, and we'll get into why in just a second. But first, let's talk a little bit about the director. Uh, This is his second film, uh, Panos. Cosmoto's second film after Beyond the Black Rainbow, which I've also mentioned on the podcast. Uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow is very much an 80s-style sci-fi movie. Highly recommended. Um, Mandy is his second feature, and despite having only two features, you can definitely say one thing for sure about the director is that he wears his influences on his sleeve. Doesn't try to hide them at all. Uh, There's some obvious nods to Grindhouse style cinema, like uh, the characters live near a crystal lake, which For fans of Friday the 13th, I'm sure that sounds a little familiar. Uh, There's also some more, I guess, deep-cut style nods. Uh, There's a pulsating green light that surrounds a supposedly mystical dagger in the film, which, that's an obvious homage to the movie Heavy Metal. Um, I would guess the director is also probably a Celtic Frost fan, uh, as there's an axe-like weapon that Cage creates uh, about midway through the movie that looks a very... Uh, looks very much like the band's logo. Another interesting piece, and this will be the last one that that I prattle on about, Uh, it's a little more philosophical, I guess, than a nod to Grindhouse Cinema, but it's a line taken from historian and mythologist Joseph Campbell. Uh, At the end, spoiler alert, where uh, Red kills Jeremiah. He says, The psychotic drowns in the same waters the mystic swims, which is um, almost a direct quote from Campbell. Um, So uh, that's just a, a really interesting... Inclusion, And um, there's probably a reason for that. I'm sure there is. Uh, like I said before, I don't like to get into why uh, creators do the things they do or why they create the way they create. But uh, I'm sure there's something to that. Uh, all that said, all that discussion about nods and homages... Having happened, I don't think the movie comes off as derivative. At least it doesn't to me. Uh, it would definitely be very easy for this movie to be just like, uh, you know, random revenge movie number 12. And we put some things in to hit your nostalgia button. But the fact that it manages to not just be that, uh, to rise above that in, in some way, is one of the reasons that I like it so much. Uh, another big reason is, to be blunt, just the fact that Nicolas Cage is completely batshit insane in this movie. Uh, I can't even explain it. You kind of have to watch it. Um, I I guess the best way to explain it would be that it's like Nick Cage at his most himself. Um, He just completely leans into the crazy and it works so well. There's a long take right after the, um, again, spoiler alert, the uh, murder of Mandy, where he goes back into the house and it's just, uh, it's him basically having a a breakdown in, in the bathroom. It's a one take. He's... He digs this bottle of what looks like vodka out of a drawer, and it's just—I don't think there's any actual dialogue. It's just moans and screams, and he—he's just completely off the rails, and it's—it's um, it's just a sight to see, really. Uh, finally, I like that the director takes basically what is a simple story of revenge and gives it some depth. So, in, in some ways, you can read into the film like any film what you want. It definitely leaves some things up for debate. Uh, for example, the bikers are they just bikers on a permanent trip or are they actually demons the movie calls them bikers on a trip more or less but they do some pretty unnatural and un- unhuman non-human things is jeremiah just a crazy you know charles manson like cult leader or is he a representation of the sort of man that terms like fragile masculinity were coined for uh, to Kosmatos' credit In an interview with Vulture, he admits that he wanted the character to be sort of a cartoonish monstrosity representative of that type of male. Uh, But unfortunately, as we know, reality kind of uh, overtook his take, sadly. Um, regardless, though, of what level you view this film on, whether it's the surface level, um, which is a simple revenge movie, or you look at some of the subtext and some of the deeper things, um, the cinematography, the soundtrack, and, and really the overall aesthetics are what shine and, and what set it apart. Um, they're really the highlights of the film. There's a scene where the possibly demon bikers kidnap Mandy and everything is just, it's, it's black. It's, you know, it's a nighttime scene, Red and Mandy are asleep. So it makes sense that it's just, you know, pitch, pitch black in their home. Um, Everything in the scene is lit only by a strobe light. So you see these three demon bikers come in and um, it's fucking terrifying, (laughs) to be honest. It's, it's really an amazing scene. And like I said, that, that makes it all the more horrifying. There's another scene that's just awash completely in red light, just, um, making it look very hellish, which fits in with the overall theme of the movie. Uh, there's some others where just everything is in bright white light that washes over the entire scene. There's smoke and fog that rises up to meet those lights. And it's just, it's a really beautiful movie, despite it being, um, you know, a surrealistic horror-style film. Uh, the soundtrack is also quite amazing. Uh, it's done by the late Johan Johansson. Um, who unfortunately died before this movie released, and uh, the film is dedicated to him. But it, the soundtrack just burrows deep into your soul, and it's um, a little bit like the Devil's Rock opera, you might say, which is it's kind of fitting since the film hits that aesthetic as well. Overall, the movie is like a... An acid trip gone very, very badly, um, which is fitting because that happens in the movie as well. So um, I highly recommend it. It's uh, it's basically the perfect midnight movie. And for those of you that are into midnight movies, you know exactly what I mean when I say that. So um, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, watch it on the best audio system you can find, whether that's in your home, um, if you have a home theater, or if you're fortunate enough that you can see this playing in an actual theater somewhere. Um, definitely see that because it all works so perfectly um, in that kind of setup. Next we have Under the Skin, another heavily stylized film. Uh, this one came out in 2013. It's a sci-fi film based on the novel of the same name. It was directed by Jonathan Glazier and stars Scarlett Johansson as a nameless alien sent to Earth to, uh, in effect, harvest humans as um, food. Uh, To accomplish this, she wears a human suit, uh, which we'll circle back to, and lures men into her trap by seducing them. Now, if you were thinking to yourself, uh, do you mean the movie Species, which came out in like 1995, and also starred a beautiful blonde woman as an alien that convinces men to sleep with her? um, No. No, I actually do not, although kudos to you for remembering that species was a thing. Um, And I will admit that I kind of see where you're coming from and why you would think that. Uh, Although the movie's plots are similar on the surface, they are very strikingly different. For one, the goal of species, or the goal of the alien species, I should say, is to reproduce. Uh, In Under the Skin, the goal is again to harvest humans as food. Uh, There's some other differences as well, so to classify Under the Skin simply as species but art house, it's not really a fair comparison. Uh, Also, Under the Skin is good, so uh, there's that too. It is, as I mentioned, really heavily stylized. There's uh, scenes in the alien's Earth home, for example, that are entirely black. The walls are black, the floor, the the lights, uh, and only the characters are visible. Another one of the scenes, an earlier scene, stands in stark contrast to that, where everything is bathed and shot in this bright white light that just silhouettes the characters. Outdoor shots take on the ambience of their Scottish locations, so there's very dense and thick fog that just really piles on the mood. It's overall very surreal and trippy. Um, the opening scene... Of Scarlett Johansson's character and voiceover, learning how to speak like a human is really deeply unsettling. Uh, she's mimicking these rudimentary sounds, like um, the different pronunciations of like G, so g- 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 kind of sounds. Um, she's mimicking those while the soundtrack kind of swells. It reminded me a little bit of the 2001 um, overture, although obviously very, very different as well. Uh, speaking of Scarlett Johansson, she is incredible. In this it is easily her best role she's just a force in this movie um, the, there's a lack of dialogue throughout for long stretches and that really really allows her to get her emotions across with just facial cues and body language it also plays off the fact that she is kind of the quote unquote other she's a stranger in a strange land so she's not really quite sure um at times how to act or how to react to other people since she's not a person Her character arc is uh, very intriguing as well, as she does go from an unfeeling alien to being strikingly human and afraid by the end, which goes along with the title, you know, What is Under the Skin? She's wearing a human suit and then becomes strikingly human. Um, Are we, as the saying goes, who we pretend to be? It's very effectively studied in the film. You know, as the movie progresses and she wears the human suit for longer and longer, she becomes more human-like. And again, it's just a very interesting sort of look, in my opinion. Um, outside of her, much of the supporting cast do not appear to be trained or professional actors. Um, based on what I've read, they were just real people that she approached on the streets or, or tried to pick up in her, um, in her van. Uh, in the film, she does drive a large delivery-style van. It was outfitted with hidden cameras, like you might see on something like um, Candid Camera, for example, for those of you who remember that. So these scenes would be filmed where she picks up these... You know, um, actual people. These just random men, basically, uh, who would be unaware of the filming. They would film a dialogue scene where uh, I don't, I don't know if it was scripted or maybe her lines were scripted or they just gave her the idea of try and steer the conversation in this direction. And then once they had that, they would of course notify the people involved and get permission to continue filming and to let them know hey if you want to continue this is going to go to this place you know you'll have to do this Um, if you don't want to do that that's fine you know no harm no foul etc but um, if you want to be involved this is kind of what we want you to do so they have some kind of notification moving forward and then of course so that they can get the uh, permission to use that footage that definitely seems really gimmicky or kitschy on the surface, I admit. Uh, But I will say it works very, very well for this movie. It adds a more realistic presentation to those scenes without needing to force dialogue in to sound natural, when really the scenes and the topic are very unnatural. The character that Scarlett Johansson is portraying is very unnatural. Again, she's that other, that, that alien life form. An interesting point about this, or at least something I found fascinating, was that Someone as famous as Scarlett Johansson can go anywhere in the world at all and just not be mobbed by people. Uh, she's in some of the most popular and highest-grossing movies ever, definitely of the last decade, especially. Um, I mean, they did change her hair color. I mean, she still looks like Scarlett Johansson. You know, she doesn't have any like makeup or prosthetics on that changed the way she looks. You'd think that someone would still recognize her. Um, and she's in some fairly crowded locations. So, um, again, that that just kind of stuck out to me, but. Uh, Overall, the idea of using these random people works much better than it sounds like it should. Uh, Overall, the movie is a bit slow when compared with your more general genre-style films. It's a little bit more of a cerebral character study than it is just like action set piece after action set piece, uh, but I found it engaging throughout. A common argument I found in the negative reviews is that it kind of plods along or drags in places, and while I can see why that argument's being made, I definitely don't agree with it. Uh, like Mandy, the film is very dreamlike, sublime, and oozing with atmosphere and tension. Uh, it's it's a little more art house and grindhouse, you know. Like I said, and like the title of the episode is that that's why uh, I chose these movies is because they're all sort of similar, but but uh, different in other ways. But anyway, the the film is aided hugely by the soundtrack composed by Michael Levi. Um, and it is fucking phenomenal. I have to admit, I was unfamiliar with Levi's work before this film. I believe she's from the UK, so um, while she's fairly popular there, she was not as big here um, prior to this movie, I don't think. I, I still think she's supremely popular here, um, but I think that's a lot to do with the style of music music. Excuse me, that she composes and creates. Uh, I definitely came away from this just utterly blown away and amazed by her talent. Um, She recorded the soundtrack and then shifted the pitch of some of it, some of the tones, um, so that it feels a little unnatural. And she did that intentionally, stating that, you know, if if your life force is being drained by an alien, it's going to be kind of fucking weird, right? So it's going to sound strange when you hear it. Uh, And it just joins nicely with the film overall. In fact, I believe she also won a BAFTA for her score on this, which is more or less the UK equivalent of an Oscar. And I mean, deservedly, deservedly so. This soundtrack is phenomenal. Uh, I was also really intrigued by her solo work, both for films um, as well as her non-film work uh, under either her own name or she has or had maybe uh, a group called Mikachu uh, and the Shapes, I believe it is. So definitely give all that a listen and give it a shot. It's it's really interesting and phenomenal. Um, and, you know, while I do maintain that this movie is... Not for everyone. Uh, I definitely still recommend it. So give the trailer a watch. See if it strikes a chord with you. Or if you're into more cerebral sort of sci-fi movies. Um, you may be into this. It's it's definitely kind of out there. Definitely kind of weird. But um, I think that the chances they took. I think that they all really worked. Um, and I'm uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of this movie. It's, it's one of my favorite sci-fi movies of the last, I don't know, uh, 10, 15 years easily. Finally we come to shit that doesn't suck. As we've said on the... Uh, the, the last couple of episodes, this is independent of what we've already talked about. This will be just things that we've seen recently or heard recently that we're really into. Since David's out, like I said at the top, I will throw a few of these out. By all means, check them out if you think they sound cool. Also, feel free to throw some suggestions our way at some of the social media links, which we'll get to momentarily. First up, I have been listening to a lot of Eli Roth's History of Horror podcast I am not the world's biggest Eli Roth fan, of, or at least of his particular version of horror. I liked Cabin Fever a pretty good amount when it came out, but the, the hostile stuff, the torture porn stuff, doesn't really, doesn't really do anything for me. But uh, he definitely has a good mind for horror. He's obviously a huge horror buff. This podcast is in conjunction with the Shudder Network, which if you're not familiar with that, it's kind of like Netflix. It's a streaming service specifically geared towards horror and thrillers. It's like five or six bucks a month. It's got a huge selection of stuff on there, a very wide array of uh, stuff, all kind of within the horror or thriller sphere. Definitely recommend that. Uh, I'm not being paid to say that. I really just enjoy the service. Back to his podcast, um, it's sort of long-form interviews with a few different guests. I think there are like 12 episodes so far. Uh, A couple of the big, big names that have been on there. So the first episode was with author Stephen King, who, um, if you're not familiar with who that is, I don't know where you've been for the last like uh, 40 or 50 years, but he, uh, he kind of goes into some of the horror stuff that he likes as well as sort of his approach to the genre. There was another really good episode with Quentin Tarantino. Um, As I've said on the podcast before, I'm a big Tarantino fan, at least in terms of his movies. Um, and he kind of talks a little bit about um, some of his favorite genre films as well as sort of how they've influenced his own movies, which while not horror, definitely have some kind of, at least some of them definitely kind of have some horror elements. Uh, something he mentioned on his episode actually reminded me of uh, of another film that I'm going to talk about now on shit that doesn't suck called Lady Snowblood. Now, uh, this was a 1970s Japanese uh, genre film. I, I think it came out in 73. But it's uh, it's a revenge thriller action movie. Um, insane, I think, is the best way to describe it. It's pretty much the movie that Tarantino watched and was like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this movie in America, and it's gonna star Uma Thurman, and it's gonna be called Kill Bill." And that's not necessarily a, a knock on Kill Bill because I do enjoy those movies. But it's pretty obvious that they're just like an Americanized version of Lady Snowblood in a lot of ways that said this is definitely one of those movies that has sort of the like the blood geysers if you will so even something as small as like a a nick on the side of the face a small cut on the cheek just as like a fountain of blood um so not for the squeamish although it's so over the top it's almost kind of cartoonish still a great movie highly recommend that it is available on the criterion channel which you've probably heard me talk about before on the podcast it's Like 10 or $12 a month. It's a huge collection of over a thousand films from all across the world, all different genres, from horror to um, like French New Wave to to different stuff. And I highly recommend it. I'm I'm a huge fan of the service. That's probably my favorite of all the streaming services just because of the wide variety of content. Next up we have... Ash vs. Evil Dead, which is a three-season TV series based on, of course, the character Ash from Evil Dead. Um, It is everything I've ever wanted, (laughs) basically. I was a huge fan of Evil Dead when I first saw it, the character of Ash, um really resonated with me because it was very different from a lot of other horror characters. Um, I saw Army of Darkness for the first time. I actually saw the series Out of Order. I saw Army of Darkness for the first time. Uh, I think one of my friend's dads had the VHS and we watched it. Um, I was maybe like 11 or 12 years old, which is probably a little young to see that movie, although uh, of the trilogy, it's definitely the most tame. Excuse me. So, highly recommend that series. It, It retains a lot of the horror elements of course of the evil dead series as well as some of the later comedy from from army of darkness some of the slapstick stuff and it it just works so well i'm a huge bruce campbell fan uh, one of my all-time favorites it's got a it's got a good cast Um, lucy lawless is is a recurring character who is uh, she plays basically a high priestess i guess you could say of of hell or at least evil dead universe's version of it Uh, just an overall great show all three all three seasons are available on netflix And, uh, you know, the episodes outside of the first episode, I think they're only about a half hour. So it's pretty easy to get through and just super enjoyable, super, super enjoyable. Finally, um, since we didn't really talk a lot about action on the main podcast, I figured I'd drop a a, a nice action movie in at the end. I've been meaning to watch this film for a while and I finally got around to it. It's called the night comes for us. It's a 2018 Indonesian martial arts action film and stars, uh, Iko Weiss and Joe, I think it's pronounced... Joe Taslam from The Raid. Redemption and The Raid. Well, at least Eco Weiss was in The Raid too as well. Um, This movie is fucking crazy. So if you saw The Raid, you know what I'm talking about. These guys are batshit. And uh, this movie did not disappoint at all. Completely insane stunt choreography and fight choreography. Um, There's blood everywhere. Everybody in this movie is fucking certifiable. It's just total madness. And I highly, highly recommend it if you're into The Raid movie or The Raid Redemption, or just, you know, insane action movies sort of in general. Super, super recommended. It's on Netflix. It was actually a Netflix co-production, at least a co-production, maybe a full production from them. But, man, I just cannot say enough good things about this movie if you're into action at all. Uh, That'll do it for this week. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review for the podcast, which is available basically anywhere podcasts can be found. Uh, Google Play, the Apple Podcasts app, uh, iTunes, for however much longer iTunes is a thing, Spotify, uh, even Stitcher, David tells me, which is uh, apparently still a thing. I had no idea. Also, a ton of other places. If you listen to us on Spotify, we don't actually get royalties, uh, but it does sound cool to tell people that we're on Spotify. Um, It seems to moderately impress them, so... Um Yeah, tell your friends we're on Spotify. Tell them you know somebody on Spotify. See how they react. Let us know. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Geek Garage Podcast. We're on Twitter at Geek Garage Pod, all one word. On Instagram at Geek Garage Podcast, again, all one word. And at GeekGaragePodcast.com. We can be found on MySpace in the year 2006. Put us in your top eight. And uh, you can find me, Tez, specifically on Twitter and Instagram at ted is on fire all one word that's ted is on fire uh, which is an ironic name because i'm not on fire anyway it'll be a little short this week that's all i've got thanks for listening be sure to check us out on all those places i just described social media all that tell your friends Um, maybe don't tell your friends they'll be disappointed that you actually like us and uh, i don't blame them i would be disappointed too Why are you still listening? I said bye. Go home.